this morning was crazy. So uh, uh, we, I come in. There's no electricity to the amps. There's no room on the camera for this or that. It was just one of those things. I can't find my Bible, right? And so, um, oh, thank you. It's working perfect. Thank you so much. Um, and so uh, I expect this morning to have everything go wrong. And uh, I do that so that it keeps me calm, uh, so that I expect it already. But we had a, uh, a crazy, crazy week this week in our world. And um, I don't know if you're like me, but you look at some of the news things, you look at some of the comments on Facebook, you look at some of the just the reactions and all this kind of stuff. And there, there's no doubt in my mind, again, as though there would be anyway, that we are in a broken world. Our world is broken. And as we just sang in that last song, uh, unfortunately, uh, you and I are broken as well. And so um, what I wanted to do this morning, just before we start anything, is just take a moment of silence to just take a deep breath to uh, remember those uh, who have been affected in France and around the world. And, um, and so that we can just kind of connect with that and then I'll pray for us. Um, but uh, I, I didn't want to miss this opportunity to just take a little bit of time to reflect and a little bit of time to ask the Lord's peace and strength in those situations. Lord God, as we um, just try to connect with the travesty, the the senseless acts, Lord God, of people, um, Lord, it's difficult for us a lot of times to connect you with that too, to to try to figure out what um, your plan is, what... um, how you could actually come in and bring healing, that you could come and do all these things. And so, Lord, we just, we just come to you as children who don't understand. And we ask for your peace and your strength and your presence, even in the midst of this difficult situation, that you would go and that you would um, be a source of strength to them. I pray for the church in Paris, Lord Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ, that they would rise up, that they would be the bride of Christ in this situation, that they would bring salt and light to this situation, that they would bring uh, your strength and your presence and your peace. Lord, for these families who are struggling with the loss of loved ones, we pray also that um, you would meet them in this time of need uh, as uh, 
world leaders are trying to figure out what to do next and trying to figure it all out, Lord. We set aside um, any right or left or middle or what have you and just ask for your wisdom as they move forward to try to bring shalom. And so, uh, Lord, we know that ultimately, ultimately peace will come when you return. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In your precious name, amen. It uh, is ironic that we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit this week, uh, the particular fruit that we'll be talking about. Um, We've been in this series now for several weeks. We missed last week because we had our 10-year anniversary, and that was very, very fun. And for those of you who are here, um, Monday I just got home, and Lisa and I were just sitting just so thankful for this church body and this just group of friends that we get to minister to and minister with. And so that was very fun. Um, but then as I started to get into uh, back into the series of the fruit of the spirit, we've been talking about the idea that the fruit of the spirit is what happens naturally to a person when they give themselves completely over to God. And so you might look at the list that we're going to be looking at right now and you might see some things that are missing in your life and you might have a tendency or even a temptation to go, I need more of that. I'm going to try really hard. As a matter of fact, let me show you the list right now. Uh, it, uh, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So you might look at that list and you might say, love, yeah, I, I, got, I got a lot of, you know, I got lots of friends and family. I feel, I feel pretty loving and I feel pretty joyful. I'm happy most of the time. Circumstances don't get me down. Peace, I have peace in the uh, patience, uh, not so much. You know what? I'm going to work really hard this week to get more patience. The fruit of the Spirit does not work that way. What we've been talking about is that the fruit of the Spirit happens naturally when we abide in Christ and we give Him everything that we have. And so the the correct answer is, I need more patience. What part of my life is not abiding in Christ? Not, I'm going to try harder to be more patient. The fruit of the Spirit is what happens naturally when we give our lives completely over to God. Okay? Now, if you've been following the list uh, along with me, um, most of these things up there are pretty, pretty good. You know, um, there, you couldn't really come up with a reason why you shouldn't have love, why you shouldn't have joy or peace, patience, kindness and goodness, right? Faithfulness. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The idea of being full of faith um, is, is, is fantastic. But if you're like me, this one gentleness is like low man on the totem pole. <laughs> and, and again, I'm probably just giving you too much information about my life, but, but gentleness in America is not really one of those qualities that is touted as, as important. We don't think of people who've achieved, who've made it, who are successful as being gentle. As a matter of fact, we, we often think just the opposite. And so when we look at the word gentleness, or at least when I do, I think to myself, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like a doormat, right? I don't want to uh, have people trampling over me. And, and when you look at the situations that are going on in the world, like just this week, how, how could the response to what happened 
Gentleness doesn't seem like the right response. As a matter of fact, as you hear the different people talking, and uh, the, the gentleness is not the goal. Eradication, kind of get get it out, remove it, and and, and that might be the, that might be the answer. But what I'm saying is that we just don't think when we're wronged, and when things aren't going our way, gentleness doesn't seem to be the thing that would do uh, that would work. But here's the problem with this fruit of the Spirit. In two verses, Paul makes this statement. We've been talking about this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. And what we've been talking about is to ask ourselves the question, where is God in this? Where is God in this situation? And and that, that, that changes things a little bit. But gentleness is going to be one of those things that is going to run counterculture to everything you see. I mean, look at what we have on television. Can you imagine the commercials? And, and, and the thing about gentleness, the other word that the Bible uses instead of gentleness, because they, they, so, sometimes they'll flip-flop. It's the same Greek word, but the, the, the actual English word we use. The second one's even worse. It's meekness. And meekness rhymes with weakness, right? I mean, when you think of meekness, you just think of like little flower and a kitten and a, you know, a puppy and like all these things. And you think, I, I can't get ahead by being meek. Like I, I, so what I did this week is I was watching football and different things on television. I started looking at the commercials, not necessarily fast forwarding them this time, to just see where, where would meekness fit in? You know, so, so like, you know, because I'm watching football, which is, you know, this manly, manly sport where you, you know, gladiators run, ramming heads together and all this kind of stuff. That was especially, you know, like ram trucks were the, were the commercial, you know. And could you imagine they come up with the ram meek? It's a new kind of truck. It, it can go about 1% grade. That's it. If you, it gets in the mud, it's stuck. It needs help. It needs to, some other truck to come rescue the ram meat. When you drive this, you'll just, be, you'll just be invisible, okay, as a man. They won't even know you're a man in there. It's the ram meek, right? Of course, that's not going to sell. Michelob meek is not going to sell, okay? It's like, it's like when your aggression needs to be passive. You know, Michelob meek, drink responsibly. What? Like all, all, all this kind of, like none of it. And, and, and for the ladies too, there's a sense of, of, of stepping into your power to, you know, this, buy this thing, buy that thing. But kind of this, this rising up, this achieving. And the Bible talks about gentleness as being a fruit of the Spirit. And if you're like me, you think to yourself, man, I, I don't know that I, I, I want this gentleness because it might get in the way of me becoming all that I'm supposed to become. Now, what if, uh, in fact, uh, God knew something we didn't know? What if God saw meekness and gentleness completely different than the way you and I would see it? Because not, not only is it about just, you know, who we are and, and how we achieve, it's, it's getting through life. Some of you are teachers. And, and, and you have to stand in front of a whole 30 crazy little kids. And you're thinking, if I'm meek, 
it's suicide, right? Some of you work on construction sites, you know, and, 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 and you, you do construction all day long. And you're thinking to yourself, if I walk on the construction site and it's gentle time, there is no way that's going to that's gonna work. Some of you are in school and you think about walking through the campus and you're thinking, man, meek and gentleness, that is not going to fly. Some of you are in business and you think, man, to be meek, that's financial suicide. I need to strive. I need to get my place in order for me to, to kind of grow up and have, have the things that I want to have and, and all that kind of stuff. But what, what if God saw things completely different? Now, what I want to show us uh, this morning, I actually have my two slides mixed up, but um, uh, I'll just go by the slides. But about three years ago, we were talking about humility, and one of the things that we said was this right here, that humility is seeing God for who he really is. Now, you say, why, why are you bringing up humility? I thought this was about gentleness. Gentleness is the expression of humility. Every time you see gentleness in the Bible, uh, at least the Greek word for gentleness that we see with Galatians 5.25, it's talking about how we respond to others in our relationships. It's talking about how we should um, uh, uh, deal with conflict, how we deal with all our relationships, that there's no way to be gentle without another person being involved. And so what happens is, and we'll see this next week for sure, um, that these, these fruit are the manifestations of something else that's happening uh, inside. So in other words, next week we're going to talk about self-control. Self-control is just the fruit of contentedness. That's all it is. And in the same way, gentleness is just the fruit of humility. And so how do we, how do we foster humility in our lives? Well, he, here's, here's what we were talking about just a few years ago as we talked about this. Humility is seeing God for who he really is. And, and what we looked at, and I want to look at it again. I'm going to read this section of scripture to you. It's found in Isaiah chapter 6. This gives the clearest picture of what happens to us when we, become, when we come face to face with the living God. Here's what it says. This is Isaiah. He's a prophet. And he's having this vision. I don't have it up behind me because I just want to read it. And I want you to get just in your mind's eye, just get the, what's happening to Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. These are just angels. Well, he describes them. Watch. Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. You could imagine this vision that Isaiah had. These seraphs all around. And here's what they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. Okay, see, this is, this is the understanding. When you come face to face with the living God, humility just happens. Woe to me. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, What's supposed to happen now is Isaiah's supposed to die. 
because <laughs> he saw the Lord. That's what's supposed to happen. But one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture happens, and this is, and, and I, I was struggling this week in how to get this across to us because it's so important for this fruit of gentle, gentleness. What happens next is not that Isaiah dies. It's that that throne of judgment, okay, that throne, that, 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 that the train of his robe fills the temple and this majestic thing and that Isaiah realizes when he sees God, uh-oh, that thing, Isaiah is supposed to die and here's what happens. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth. Remember what Isaiah said. He said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. He touches Isaiah's mouth. And he says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. In the midst of Isaiah's humility, in the midst of where he says, I've seen God, God's grace comes. And now, now listen, I don't know if, the, if the, the coal actually did what it was supposed to do or if Isaiah just needed something from God to go, okay, that's the, that's the, the um, symbol of, of me. Be, I, I can stand before God. But this is so important because for us, as followers of Jesus, we have to understand our position before God. This is the key to allowing gentleness to bear fruit in our lives. Humility is seeing God for who he is, and then gentleness is the outward manifestation of that humility. And so because we understand our position in Christ, because we understand that our value, our um, achieving, all the things that we want in life, because we understand that position in Christ, we are able to talk to people, to engage with people with the fruit of gentleness. Because we're not worried about our gentleness getting in the way of our achievement. We trust our Heavenly Father for that. And so gentleness, while we talked about the ram meek truck and, you know, whatever, gentleness is, is true strength. Gentleness comes from the strength of humility. Let me, let me go back to Isaiah real quick. What happens is when Isaiah gets touched with the coal, right, and, and he becomes clean, do you know what he does after that? Because, because what, what happens is heaven's kind of in this little bit of a quandary or turmoil and, and they need somebody to be sent out. And so Isaiah, because he is in this position now of grace and forgiveness and, 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 and atonement for his sins, he raises his hand and he says, here am I, send me. There's this sense of awesome strength that comes from Isaiah, that he's willing to be sent out now. And so gentleness or humility doesn't become this, this place of cowardice. It becomes this place of unbelievable strength that it doesn't matter what you say to me or do to me or how you would attack you know, me or whatever. I rest in the assurance that I am atoned for by my heavenly father. 
through what Jesus did on the cross. It's vitally important that we understand that. Now, now why gentleness? Why do we even think of it in terms of, of, of something that's a fruit of the Spirit? Well, first of all, Jesus taught it. Okay, Jesus taught gentleness. Matter of fact, the biggest sermon Jesus had, and the most famous sermon he had, it might not have been his first one. Uh, as a matter of fact, there might have been several where he kept talking about these same particular things, and that's why there were large crowds when he talked at this one, because they'd go and listen to him and go, man, this guy, this is like nothing I've ever heard before. In, in, in the Beatitudes, he says this. He said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, you, you're probably saying, John, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know how that plays out. Like, I don't know, is, do we actually inherit the earth? Is it, does it mean we, you know, uh, is, it, is it just, you know, in the new heavens and the new earth, we'll, we'll get that? It might, it might be. That, would be, a, that would be a pretty good guess. Is it, what, what does it mean? The point is not the inherit the earth part. The point is blessed, blessed are the meek. That Jesus is teaching. This is key to our walk, to keeping in step with the Spirit. So much so that if we find ourselves not being gentle or meek, we are probably out of step with the Spirit. We are probably not being Christ-like. Okay, and so Jesus taught, uh, taught this. Here's another thing. Jesus not only taught it, but like everything else Jesus did, whatever he taught, he modeled. And so as we step into this week, and this is what we do every week, we talk about what does this look like tomorrow, really? You're going to be offended. You're going to be probably attacked in some way. You are going, there are going to be people who cut you off. There are going to be people who try to get ahead of you. There are going to be people at work that are just unreasonable. There are going to be people around the world who kill other people around the world. And there's going to be this sense of, we need justice. And oftentimes, because of our brokenness, justice comes through might. And so we either have the one-liner that we say that's really good that kind of put them in their place, or we have the, uh, the thing, the argument that if we could, if the, we would just sit and give our three points to why, then that, that will be it. There's this sense of needing to rise up. And Jesus, with his own very life, shows us the exact opposite. Here's what happens. In John chapter 13, Jesus is about to die. He's going to die the next day. Might be the day after, I can't remember. But he's going to die, you know, if you're going to die, whether it's tomorrow or the next day, does it really matter that much? And so he's going to die. And so you can imagine where you would be in your thoughts and in your spirit and in your soul if you knew that today or the next day is going to be the day. And so for me, at least I can, I can just speak for me, I can't speak for you, there'd be a sense of like, hey, this isn't really fair. You know, for Jesus, he was 30 year, 33 years old, right? And so there's a sense of like, man, there's so much more life to, to live. And, and, and furthermore, he's a rabbi. He's got these people underneath him. Like, like he's important. Furthermore, um, he's God. <laughs> and he hasn't done anything wrong. Ever. 
Okay, so here, here he is. He's in this upper room, in a room that he doesn't even own. It had to be lent to him. He's got these, these 12 disciples. And, and right in the beginning of uh, John chapter 13, it says that the, the devil had already entered Judas and had already said, hey, you're going to betray Jesus. And so Jesus knows this. And it also says that Jesus, knowing that he'd come from God and knowing that he's going back to God, he does this extraordinary act. And, and you guys, for those of you who have been around the Bible for a long time, you probably know what this act is going to be. But this is really key as you enter into tomorrow because you're going to be called to this act again and again and again as the fruit of gentleness manifests itself from humility. He wraps a towel around his waist and he begins to wash his students' feet. And he says this. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? Now, Peter, Peter understands the um, audacity of this. And he says, you're not going to wash my feet. See, again, remember, the only time Peter was really getting himself in trouble when he was thinking according to this world. That that's the only thing Peter was doing. We do it all the time. We blame Peter and we make fun of Peter and we say, oh, he flew off the handle or all of that. That's, that's called Monday for me, okay? I mean, that's just the way it is. And so Peter, again, is like, you, you have value. You're valuable. You're the rabbi. You're important. You're not supposed to be washing my feet. All Jesus was doing was manifesting the fruit of, hum, of, hum, of gentleness that comes through humility. And here's what he says. Remember, he says, blessed are the meek. He goes on, he washes their feet, and he explains it to Peter and explains it to the disciples. Like, look, guys, um, uh, uh, you know, the rulers of the world, they lord it over, you know, them, all this kind of stuff. Not so with you. You're going you're gonna to be servants. And he says this in, in John chapter 13, verse 16 and 17. He says, truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. Now watch this. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And so from our perspective, we think if I'm gentle, I'm going to get steamrolled. And, and maybe that's true when it comes to the things of this world and your career or all, all that kind of stuff. But every single one of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been talking about that manifests itself as we give ourselves completely over to God may come with a cost from this world. It may cost us something. And in this case, it might cost you a promotion. But we have to understand our position in Christ and Jesus saying this, you will be blessed if you do this. Trust me, I have a completely different set of eyes on the situation. Now, where does this come from? How, how does Jesus do this? And Paul talks about this idea of meekness and gentleness too. So it's not only Jesus teaching it, not only Jesus modeling it, but after Jesus uh, lived and died and rose again and ascended to be with God, Paul comes onto the scene. 
And he, sa- and he talks to us about h- how this plays out. And we've gone over this verse many times before, and I, I think um, we should pretty much never really get tire- tired of it. But it comes down to value. He says this, and I almost put my glasses on top of my glasses. Do you see that? Have you guys ever done that, those who have glasses? It's awesome. Okay, anyway, I don't even know why I have two glasses up here. Okay, uh, Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. Listen to this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, we can all agree with that, right? You're not supposed to do stuff from selfish ambition or vain conceit. And so if I were to say, hey, who here believes they're supposed to do stuff from selfish ambition? Nobody would raise their hand. And then if I said, well, what about vain conceit? You go, of course not. Of course not. Here's the problem. The next sentence. (laughs) Because we think of selfish ambition and vain conceit, and we think... Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. And then the next sentence is, because those things are really bad, right? He says, rather, and he swings the pendulum way over to the other side. And he says this, rather, in humility, in other words, gentleness is the manifestation of what's happening inside with humility. Value others above yourselves. Man, that is hard. Is that not hard? But here's the thing that God understands. That we cannot. When we enter into a situation and we are wronged, or we enter a situation and we feel like someone else is taking something that belongs to us or whatever, and and there's a sense of justice in us that wants to rise up and to use um, force or to use, or to lash out, or to grab justice, or, or whatever, um, God understands something we don't understand, and that is the value of the other person. This is so, this gets lost on us when things are actually happening. I'll give you an example. Um, I have a son, his name's Jesse, right now he's 16. Uh, when he was, from the ages of four to, no, zero, (laughs) yeah, when he could start, when he got mobile, right, from that time, when he got mobile, uh, uh, that was one, you know, you walk at one, but at about two, he could start grabbing things, but at four, he he was actually, he was pretty quick, (laughs) okay, so when he was between four and 12, um, he would get stuff off the shelf, climb up on things and grab things, and, and he'd have them. And, and um, one day I walked in on him, and he had my video camera. Now, na- nowadays, video cameras aren't, aren't that expensive, so I'll, I'll insert uh, your cellular phone, okay? I'll insert your iPhone 6, okay? Imagine a four-year-old with your iPhone 6 Plus. For me, it was my video camera, which was expensive at the time. Uh, and he had it, and he had it all, like right above the tile floor in our kitchen. And so I walked around the corner, and there he is, and he's playing with it, and he's looking at it and holding it up. And because I knew the value of that camera, I just froze because I didn't want to startle him. And my voice, because first of all, he knows he's not supposed to be touching it. So his first instinct is going to be to either drop it, right, and run, 
okay, or run with it. Either one was no good. So I did what every good parent does. I changed the tone of my voice. And I went, hey, buddy, what's up? <laughs> right, which is, which is kind of the same way of going, don't move. Like, I, I, like you know, and so I, I'm like, hey, what you got? <laughs> oh, that's daddy's video camera. Now, he, he's looking at me like, Like, this isn't right. You seem almost happy that I have it. As I, like, inch inch a little bit closer, you know. And, and I, I'm not kidding. I've had this happen with little kids with phones or whatever, where you're just, like, you're just, like, slowly trying to get close so that you can just get your, get your hands on that thing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm walking, and I'm, I'm just like, hey, uh, so, hey, why don't you let Daddy see that? And he's like... You know, and I, you know, now I'm in this turmoil. What, what do I want to do? I, I want to use gentleness, right? Because I want to save the valuable thing, but I also want to use force because <laughs> I'm like, hey, first of all, we've talked about this, right? So I'm living in the tension of understanding the injustice and what could possibly go wrong, but also understanding the value of that camera. And so, uh, long story short, I somehow got the camera. I don't know how. Probably my cat-like reflexes where I grabbed it while it was falling. But I don't know. I can't remember. Imagine your heavenly father who, who values you so much. I mean, we love We know that. We know he loves us. We, we know that he atones for our sins. We know that he has gifted us with strengths and, and, and gifts and all that kind of stuff. Imagine him when he comes around the corner and he sees you about to engage with somebody else. And he goes, hey, I know you're upset. But that person you're about to try to get justice with is really, really fragile. And really, really important to me. And so I need you to trust me with this situation. I need you to set down that justice. Set down, I need you to back away. Allow me to come in. Uh, trust me in this. See, it, gentleness, my gentleness with you comes from my humility going, you know what, Lord? I, I trust you. I know you've got me, so I don't need to have to sit. I don't need to have this situation go the way I want it to go. And all the while, your heavenly Father is looking at the person that wounded you, looking at the person who's trying to get ahead of you, and going, "Man, they're really they're, that person's like really important. Don't I'll I'll take care of this." Because don't, don't we often want God's grace? Don't we often want him to be patient with us? And, and, and man, we messed up again. It's like, Lord, I know it's a journey. You know, be patient with us. But when it comes to somebody else wronging us or someone else cutting into our thing or whatever, we're like, don't worry. I got this. You know, I'll take care of it. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Let me read a couple uh, verses real quick. So he says, but each of you value others above yourselves. Okay. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then this is just the, 
Because I love loopholes. You know me. I'll try to find a verse that will help me uh, th- through that. It, he just shuts it all down right here. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's the bottom line. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, with that understanding, with the understanding of, Lord, my position in Christ, that like Isaiah, I come in and I go, Lord, I have a man of unclean lips, and I live, not you guys, but everyone out there, I live among a people of unclean lips. And that understanding of, of, of me being atoned for and that, that seraphim saying, you know what, you're, you're, you're okay. You can be used. You can move out. I move out in that humility. And as I move out and I come into contact with people that treat me wrong and do this, gentleness is the fruit that's supposed to manifest itself. He goes on to explain why how Jesus manifested that. He said, have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus, who although existed in the form of God, you know, didn't regard equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. As, uh, as Adra comes back up, I wanted to talk just a little bit about um, uh, what's coming in, in, in the future, in the next few couple months, starting in January that what I'm hoping is going to help us connect with this fruit of the Spirit. Because a lot of times we think, well, what am I, well how do I connect with, if I'm going to give my life completely over to God, how, how do I do that? How do I connect with God? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you're, you're just stuck at a spot. And you're saying to yourself, there's got to be more to this than just going to church and you know, trying and trying and trying. There's, there's got to be more. Well, about 35 of us in church for the last uh, eight weeks, and we have two more to go, have been going through a process called Rooted. And uh, it's a discipleship thing that we've been doing uh, where we've been meeting every week for 10 weeks. And in January, we, wa- we wanted to go through it first so that when we opened it up to the whole church, we would have at least gone through it first. In January... We're going to ask, or at least I'm going to ask, every single person that attends our church to go through it. Now, this is a big ask, okay? I'm asking, I will be asking you to set aside 10 weeks of your life. Like 10 times. We want everyone to go to their small group 10 times in a row. You could probably miss one, but we want 10 times in a row. Not only that, there's going to be another time, a time of prayer, where you're going to be praying for about an hour and a half. And you're thinking to yourself, an hour and a who? <laughs> like, well, are you out of your mind? Like, I can barely even pray, you know, grace. I, I start dozing off or I start getting ADD, whatever. Trust me, you can, and it will change your life. And so I'm just telling you now that you're going to be hearing about this and, and I, people ask me all the time, there's got to be more to this. This is the more, okay? It's kind of like if you're watching an infomercial. Um, I don't know if you're like me. I love watching infomercials because I buy into the, the, the vision. You know, you see some guy and he's doing like he's kicking and he's yelling at people and telling them to do push-ups and whatever. And I look at their, their bodies and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that probably is it. You know, I don't think they just bought the DVDs and set them on their shelf and all of a sudden their body's like, like, wow, that's incredible. They, they probably did it. This is the more for that. This is the, 
the 10-week boot camp. As you go through and you meet with God in the mornings and you talk about it with your small group, you will watch your life begin to change. And so I'm just telling you, begin, put on your calendar around the middle of January, a little reminder for 10 weeks, we're going to go through this as a church. And here's the thing. I'm not going to be preaching through those 10 weeks about what we're going through. So you have to go to your small group in order to understand what's going on. Okay. And so that was just a little shot across the bow. Okay. But it is fun stuff. And uh, in this room, how many are going through it right now of the leaders? Just raise your hand. Okay. Am I wrong? I mean, is it great? We had our meeting on, on, on Wednesday night, and so uh, it, it's really good. And second service, there'll, there'll be some more. And so um, just keep that in the back of your mind. It's, it's exciting. Now, here, there is a cost. It's $15 per person because there's a workbook you go through. And, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I, I believe it's going to change your life. Let me uh, pray for us. Uh, Aju is going to lead us in a closing song. And during this time, we try to connect with God in some meaningful way. And, um, and maybe for you, as we talk about pruning and feeding, that's how we make things grow. That's how we abide. Maybe there's a, a situation in your life you need to prune out. The way, a way you've been injured, a person or whatever, where you just say, you know what, God, because of my position in you, I have to just let that go. Or maybe there's a place to feed. Maybe there's a place where you can just go into a situation where you've been kind of posturing and bring encouragement, bring gentleness, bring those things. Um, and so I'll let the Lord talk to you about that. And then also during this time, we fill out our connection cards. And John Vier said every person fills out one of those connection cards. It's actually just every household. Um, so if you're, if you're here with your spouse, you just fill that out. And we want to make sure and get those prayer requests as well. And then if this is a Sunday that you give, that's how we keep the lights on. And that's also how you position your life financially around what God would have you do. And so if you give uh, this morning, all of that goes in the box in the back. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your goodness. We thank you for uh, the way you take care of us. Lord, we thank you that our position in you is one of value. And Lord, we also know that you value um, those that we come into contact as well. So Lord, as this fruit of gentleness begins to manifest itself in the situations this week, I pray we wouldn't stifle it. I pray that we would trust in a heavenly father, the, the master gardener, to allow it to grow and the to leave the outcome into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.